0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got
1: a and a We do. We got a lot of good questions. We have a lot of questions coming from the question link in the podcast that you can expand your questions and go into more detail. The Spotify one? No, negative. negative.
0: I haven't seen anybody use that Neither. other podcast house yep. either. So. I checked
1: all the uh, last three or four episodes and yeah. nothing yet.
0: Yeah. Well, as
1: long as you guys are asking questions, I don't, yep.
0: I don't really care. Yep. Uh, but there is multiple ways to ask. There's a link in the description. There's a uh, green button if you're listening to Spotify, um, which we recommend because now you can watch the videos. Yep. I think Spotify. I'm team Spotify, man. Even though I have Apple everything, I just love Spotify.
1: Yeah, I ship. think their podcast pat- platform is kind of took in the back burner.
0: Apple. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you gotta think about it too. Spotify just has Spotify. Yeah. Apple has God knows how many things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Um but real quick before we get into the the podcast, few quick announcements, things to share. First and foremost, uh if You need tailored fitness and nutrition coaching. As always, we like to mention that we are a coaching company. We work with people around the world, and we are a world-renowned coaching company. So if you're listening to this podcast, if you enjoy the content that we are providing for you to get better results through your own training, imagine if you had us literally doing it for you. If that speaks to you and you want us to help you out, click the link in the description of this podcast to apply for coaching or head to taylorcoachingmethod.com slash online-coaching. The second quick uh, announcement or sponsorship I want to uh, throw out there is Giant Lifting because I believe the Halloween sale is still going on as you're listening to this, and you can get a double whammy with that. Um, when is this airing right now, actually? Is this airing Halloween? Next week. Monday? No. No.
1: I think it's uh, the Friday before
0: so this Friday coming yeah. up. Yes. Okay. So not Halloween. So Correct. Um, it will still be going. I was like, okay, is this the last day of the I sale forgot or not? That,
1: I forgot this was the week of Halloween.
0: Yeah. Uh, next week is Monday. Um, but they have a sale going on for, for Halloween for October. Um, and I'm 99.9% sure. Pretty damn sure. You can get a double whammy sale if you use our code TCM10 on top of the Halloween sale. So now is a good time to hook up your garage gym, to get some bands, to get some barbells, dumbbells, plates, whatever you want. They got you covered. That's giantlifting.com and the coupon code is TCM10 for 10% extra off on top of the Halloween sale. So, let's answer some questions. Let's do it. All right, we got one coming from
1: Sharonade. It says, some days I go hard at the gym and other days not so much. Is this a method or a way to balance things for muscle and strength gains?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Yes, it is. Uh, There's So like the only kind of quote unquote method I could think of that is relative to this, I guess, or um, that somebody has kind of created is, and I don't even know if you would call it a method, but what would it be? Every other day, EOD, uh, the EOD method. Um, It's basically like a good way to ensure that you can train hard, get great progression without burning out or overdoing it and still, you know, recovering is to train every other day. So you go to the gym every other day. The problem with that is most people like training on, a, excuse me, a calendar schedule. Um, and there's a lot of great training splits that use a micro cycle. So that's like your training week that doesn't align well with a calendar week in the gym. However, if your job doesn't pertain to physical fitness, it doesn't really work out that well. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to have it set up to a calendar week. Honestly, if if I... if. Uh, if I didn't drink alcohol, I probably would do a different training split too. Um, but I just know that there's just no way I'm training on a Sunday. So usually with these type of every other day or if you do like push, pull, legs, rest, push, pull, legs, rest, things like that, you end up cha- – like week one could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But then week two is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then eventually you don't have a Sunday. Eventually you do have a Sunday. You know what I mean? It kind of rotates. It just throws off your week. So that's the biggest problem with it. But what you're kind of doing is like unintentionally periodizing your intensity levels. And that's, that's something I do with a lot of clients. It's something that um, Westside Barbell does as well. They don't really like call it that. They call, I mean, they just go by max effort and dynamic effort. But if you actually look at it, what they're doing is they're separating the days throughout the week because max effort is a certain type of intensity and it's a certain level of intensity, obviously. Um, And then dynamic effort is a much lower intensity. Um, And it's intense in other ways, right? Your effort at least. Uh, But dynamic effort days usually have like repetition. They call it repetition effort. And that's where you're doing high volume, high reps. They also have uh, power development, um, which is true dynamic effort, you're going speed deadlifts against bands and doing dynamic movements like walking lunges, whatever it may be, sled pulls, GPP stuff. Um, So that day is way less intense on your nervous system versus a max effort day where you're lifting extremely heavy loads. Um, And even myself, when I program using like a conjugate method, similar to Westside, I usually do like sub max effort and then a repeated effort. Um, Same concept of having two separate days, like an upper lower split. One of the upper and lower days is more geared towards something and the other is geared towards another. But I don't work with a lot of power lifters. I usually work with people who want to look good and usually be stronger. So sub max effort is going to be better because you can gain just as much strength, um, but it's way less taxing. So a lot of people think doing one rep maxes is going to build a lot of strength. And the reality is it actually builds less strength than doing something like a three rep max. And the reason for that is because one rep max is an expression of your ability whereas a sub max effort like a three at max is a practice for that expression so if you never actually have to express that one rep max i.e fucking yeah. power like comp- competition there's really no point because three rep max you're going to be able to do it it's going to be less taxing so you could go three rep max and then a few days later do it again versus a one rep max if you do a true one rm you ain't doing that again till next week at the at the earliest you know you need time so um there's there's that but that's kind of going on side tangent. With this, all you're really doing is you have some days where you train hard, some days you don't. That is what this is. I would just if I were you, I would obviously if you have a coach, the coach can do this, but otherwise you just need to actually put numbers to that. So one day might be submax effort where you're going pretty hard. The next day might be more like repeated effort. So a good example of this is if you were doing let's say uh let's just say you trained 5 days in a row, right? So like if I do a five-day split, like a upper-lower push-pull legs, I will sometimes do Monday through Friday because I like taking the weekends off. So I might go um, like super heavy on Monday and then like light, don't touch a barbell on Tuesday. Even if it's upper-lower, I might do lower body on Tuesday and upper body on Monday. But if I did heavy sub max effort work with barbells on Monday, I might go dumbbells and bands and body weight stuff on Tuesday, machines, stuff like that, because it's way less taxing your nervous system. And then the next day might be a sub max effort again, right? Um, now, it has to work out well with split. This is why with conjugate method, you usually go max effort, dynamic, dynamic, max. Because if I do max effort, upper, dynamic effort on Tuesday, so Monday and Tuesday, if I go right into max effort again, I'm doing upper body max effort yeah. again. It's no point. So you go four days, so you would go max effort, dynamic effort, maybe like a, a conditioning day, and then you go dynamic effort again, and then max effort. And then you have two full days before going back to a max effort day on Monday because you take the whole weekend off and that's going to allow uh, 48 hours is just a good amount of time to actually let yourself recover, you know. Um, but if you're doing full body, you could absolutely go hard Monday, light Tuesday, hard Wednesday, light t- Thursday, hard Friday, light Saturday, rest Sunday, repeat, you know. Um, you can even do that a little bit with a pushball leg split on a six-day rotation. But 100%, like you're doing something smart. I think that it's, it's – you're like accidentally periodizing it. Yeah. But essentially what you're doing is, I call it waiving your intensities, and I've done this many times with my programs, and it's just a way to make sure that you are doing enough in that like really hard max effort zone while still balancing that with lighter workouts because lighter workouts will help recovery and continue to progress your results without just crushing your your immune system, your central nervous system, joints, tendons, all that kind of stuff. Totally. So, Yeah. Cool. All
1: right. Good. Uh, we will move on to the next question. It comes from Erica. It says, "How long after waking up do you get your first protein feeding in?"
0: Two hours. So I think that. Uh, I mean, I, I now I am feeling like I, I have to find something else to talk about with this. <laughs> Two hours. That's it. Um, there is nothing like. There is no reason for that. Typically, yeah. I mean. Um, I think there's, like, some people believe that, and I don't think it's necessarily not true, but I'm unaware of any research to support that this is, like, a fundamental principle of health, or digestion, or anything, but there's a lot of people that say, like, you should give your body some time after waking up to, before you eat. Um, The rationale would be that, you know, fasting can be beneficial for your digestive system. You don't need to fast to prolonged hours where you're now increasing cortisol and stress levels, or, like, increasing the duration of cortisol being elevated and just stressing your body out, like let's say 16, 18 hours, like some people do. Um, But you could fast for 12 hours, which is basically like you wake up, wait a few hours and then eat, and that will be helpful. There's not a ton of research to support that fasting equals digestive health, but intuitively, a lot of people swear by it. Intuitively, I know it works because you're literally just giving your digestive system a break. Now, if you're in a deficit and you're eating a low-calorie diet, digestive system probably doesn't need that as much if somebody's in a bulk I actually like doing this because they're force feeding themselves (laughs) you know it's it's nice for them to be able to do it so I do agree with it I don't think you need to eat right away I think that it's smart to wake up get some fluid in your body move a little bit and just let your body wake up before you start telling it to do something like digestion because that is a job Um, but there's no like sweet spot I know people have tried to say like you have to wait two hours or three hours or one and a half there's no, if, from what I'm aware of, I don't think there's any number that says you need to do this. Um, I think it's like when your body starts telling you it's hungry in the morning,
1: it's Go probably time it. to eat,
0: you yeah. know? Um, typically for me, that's that's in the two, first two hours. But to be honest with you, I mean, when I sleep in, it's right away. Sometimes when I sleep in, it actually delays it. For me, it's just, that's what works my schedule. You know, I eat at 7 a.m. between 7 and 7.30 because I leave to get to the office right after that. And I wake up between five and five thirty, so it's just it works out two hours after. Um, but there's no there's no like rhyme or reason to it. Totally, I don't think you need to overthink this. Cool. Um, as long as you're spreading out your protein evenly throughout the day from like three to five meals, you're golden. Gotcha.
1: All right, cool. We will move on to the next one. It comes from Swava. It is says I have a question regarding reverse dieting. Do you think that in other phases, it's the weekly average that's the most important? And can you incorporate lower, higher uh, calorie days? So before, so below and above maintenance, or do you think it's important for each day to be more consistent around maintenance, to reverse some of the metabolic adaptations and cycling calories? Could, uh, so having some days in a deficit do could have a detrimental effect, especially when it comes to normalizing these hormone levels.
0: It's a really good question. Um, Okay, so they're basically asking, is it more important to focus on the daily intake versus the weekly average intake when reverse dieting versus not, essentially? Um, and I would say, yeah, I think so. Like, I, I think that it's hard because the rea- there's two realities that we have to, like, there's two things that we have to realize here. One is like a, a, a harsh reality that people need to remember. And then the other one is just like my empirical or anecdotal kind of experience with clients and reversing a ton of people. Number one, the the reality here is that until you get to maintenance, you are still in a deficit. So people assume like, okay, my my diet stopped today and or yesterday. Today's day one of my reverse diet. Like they hear reverse diet and they think like hormonal improvement. They think we're mitigating issues now. Like we've we've shifted, you know, really all that has happened is you've shifted mentally you've shifted what's on paper you have shifted your goal which your goal is no longer to diet it's to reverse to maintenance however there's not really any like anything going on yet you're still in deficit yeah because if you add 50 grams of carbs you're still in a deficit you're in a slightly smaller deficit and it's if it's been a day that hasn't done shit yet you need time in that deficit so the reason I say that is because you know no matter what until like whether you're focused more on a daily or a weekly like, until you get those calories back up, you're not really reversing anything. Um, I shouldn't say like that. You're beginning to reverse things, but nothing is fixed yet. Nothing has changed yet. And and it's not fixed in the sense that it was broken before. It's just that you are improving upon, right? Because it was downregulated. That's what adaptation is. Um, the the other thing is that I do agree with the premise here. Like, I think that it is important to focus more on the daily intake versus the weekly for a couple reasons um one is because of like you said if we are trying to mitigate these hormones and these adaptations if we look at research again it is more about weekly caloric intake it's going to be more about body fat levels so the truth is is that if you hit 2000 calories every day or you hit 1500 and then hit like fucking 5000 to make up for it or whatever At the end of the week, you are going to gain the same amount of weight. It's just that you might slowly gain or you might gain a shit ton of weight. Some of it is water and food volume and then you lose some of it, but you're still up net one pound from that week, let's say. Well, if that's the case, then your total body weight is going to act like a thermostat regulator and your body fat levels are going to act that way with your hormones. So your your metabolism, in a sense, regulates itself based off the total weight, which is why you can kind of trick it with a weight vest when you're doing a cut. Um, they've done some experiments with this, but you literally have to wear a weighted shirt all day, every day. Like you can't take it off. (laughs) So it's very unpractical. But the other side of it is, is a lot of these hormonal adaptations that are serious are more closely tied to body fat levels, which is also why I think it's safe for some people to reverse diet. If you're a gen pop, if you don't get super lean, your adaptations are primarily going to be from calories doesn't necessarily mean you have to go slow, but if the mental side of it is really difficult for you and you need to go slow so you can stay consistent, then go for it. You're going to be fine. But point being is, in a way, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the week, you're still going to put on the same amount of weight. And if that weight and that body fat is what is leading to the adaptations improving themselves, what does it really matter? The only caveat I would throw in there, which is more from experience and I would say is based on hypothetical science, meaning not direct reverse dieting studies, but just like how science works. Yeah. Okay. Well, and how physiology of the body works. If we save those calories and then bank them at the end of the week, those days where we saved them, cortisol stays higher, stress stays higher. My worry for people would be if you were trying to bank the calories for the end of the week during the reverse and every day you're still in that low calorie diet, everything you do throughout the day is going to be harder to recover from and you're going to be managing stress more poorly, so not as well, Because cortisol has a chance to be up. When we increase calories, we eat more food, we're suppressing cortisol and stress hormones. So, my fear would be yeah, you're banking calories for a splurge on the weekend, but you're also banking cortisol, the stress hormone, which might turn that high calorie day into a binge and it just is gonna stress your body out more. And there's a lot of indirect hormonal effects from cortisol being elevated. So, if the stress hormone's high consistently, other things are gonna happen to your thyroid, to your testosterone, to all these other sex hormones that could be an issue. So if somebody is potentially in that place, I probably wouldn't want to risk that. Gotcha. So I'm still not going to focus, I'm still going to focus on the daily intake for 99% of people. Um, And the random case where it's like, hey, I have an event this week, I don't want to fuck up my reverse. I might say, hey, we're going to take two calories days to bank up some calories for that. And then if we need to take some the day after, that's fine. But, it's for that specific event, yep. and it's assuming the person's in a good mental state as well, because that could be a bad thing as well. Um, and that's the other side of this that I think people don't consider. That would be my second point here: is if you're going to do something like this, you need to be in a good mental state. And usually, after a diet and a prolonged deficit, it's probably not the best time to play the Rob Peter to pay Paul game, where you're slashing calories day to day so you can save up calories in add a bunch of calories and eat whatever you want on a certain day. Right. And then just focus on your quote unquote weekly average. Cause that sounds good in theory and in context and on paper. But then what happens is people do that for a few days and then they try to have that high calorie day. They go overboard, they feel guilty and they kind of shame themselves inside. Then they restrict themselves the next day, which leads to a binge the next day. And then you're doing this yo-yo thing and cycle. Exactly. And now we're just in this negative like loop. Right. Um, So I I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think it's smart. Um, I also think that this is exactly why I tend to say, hey, let's eat clean during reverse at the beginning. Most people hate the word eat clean, but highly palatable foods are hard to control and they're also hard to track. So if we're trying to be specific with a reverse diet and have our our, um, food accurately tracked and avoid going overboard, we probably want to avoid foods that are highly palatable, which is high fat, high sugar, high carb, like fast food, junk food, stuff like that, ice cream, yeah, it's great, and yeah, we can have it with flexible dieting, but if you're in a diet-fatigued state, you're not going to be able to control those sensations, Yeah, you know, and it's going to send you over the over the hill or whatever the saying is, you know, so... Off the cliff. Off the cliff, yeah. So, um, I would still focus on daily. I think it's really important, but really, really good question.
1: Dope. Cool. All right, we will move on to the next question. It comes from Charlotte Pomeroy. It says, hi there. I love your content, podcasts, and honestly, everything. I am currently working with a coach for the second time for a small deficit to lose about five to seven pounds, and I've lost my menstrual cycle two weeks in. Is this normal, or would you say this is dangerous?
0: Can you repeat that again? The,
1: the uh, yeah, part where she said, "I'm she's, amazing." She's working content.
0: The other part. <laughs> the numbers. You want me to? Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. Serious. Serious. I am currently
1: working with a coach for the second time for a small deficit to lose about five to seven pounds. I've lost my menstrual cycle two weeks into it. Is this normal or do you think this is dangerous?
0: Oh, so she didn't say how many calories? No. Okay. Um. Okay. And she didn't say weight. Like she weighed this, lost this, just two weeks. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a very quick, short punch, like, to the answer, and then I'm going to Kind of go on a little rant about something else that I think is relevant <laughs> to, to this uh, to the beginning of that that question. Um, yes, to the part of you shouting me out. So thank you for that. Um, the it's not normal. I don't think that's that's normal. I think that's very odd that you lost it two weeks in. Um, unless you're pregnant, there's just like that's probably not a, a thing. You know what I mean? Like um, unless you got other hormonal shit going on. Like you know, like, be aware of that. But that usually doesn't happen for fuck, three months at least. It depends. I mean, usually it happens because of body weight, uh, body fat levels too. So you got to understand that. Think about it like this. For a female to get a you usually have to be pretty fucking lean or like, man, you got to slash your calories to an insane level to be able to do that that quick. Um, and in that quick, I don't mean two weeks. I mean like within a month or so. You know, like two weeks is crazy quick. So I, I would say, yeah, that's, I, I mean- I don't. I don't like the term dangerous because it's like I don't think you're gonna die tomorrow or something crazy like you're gonna be in the hospital. But it's not healthy to lose your cycle. So, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I would get out of the death set and tell your coach if you haven't. Like I, I know sometimes people don't like sharing personal information with their coach, but like as coaches, we want to know that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think that you should be experiencing that yet yeah. at all. Um, I don't really know what else I can say besides you should probably get out of the deficit, figure out if there's any other hormone shit going on and then go from there. Cause that, that is really too quick. Usually women have that happen when they're going into a prep or a photo shoot diet or something like that. And they're getting really, really lean because it's primarily due to um, body fat levels. Um, and sometimes it'll happen with calories, but you gotta be pretty lean. Like, not shredded, but like lean, you know, relatively lean in order for it to be, be a cause from calories. Cause your calories gotta be low, but let's say somebody has 50 pounds to lose. It's probably not going to happen from a low calorie diet right away. Um, they do weight loss studies on obese individuals who have 50 to hundred pounds to lose and they put them on 500 calories a day yep. diets. And there's no, actually their, their health improves because they're losing fat, but put somebody on that kind of diet who is, has five pounds to lose completely different story. You're going to, probably see those things happen really quickly. Um but yeah, I mean that's the best I can give you there. The thing I was gonna the thing I was gonna mention is just because you were saying um love the content and all that stuff. Thank you very, very much. Um I just uh, I've actually you haven't seen it because I literally was waiting for it to upload while I was sitting here getting ready to start. Um never done this before but uh, not that it was like it's crazy, but I posted a reel where I just fucking just talking to the camera. Um You've never done that before I've never done that before. I've talked to my story but I've never, like, all of our reels are, are like, edited oh. and thumbnail. You know what I mean? Like, I literally gotcha. just fucking clicked the gotcha. reel and just started gotcha. talking to the camera. Um, Which, I mean, it's obviously, like, very raw and just candid. But um, I did it because I was like, you know what? I need to catch up on some of my DMs. So I went to my inbox and I, on my computer and I started answering a bunch of DMs. Probably got through, like, 20 or so. And then I clicked the message request and it was just, like, dude it was like nuts and I literally sat there I think I did 50 and it's not done yet just message requests on top of the normal ones um, some of them like obviously are like just mentioning me and their story and I'm just thanking them real quick so it's not like in depth but some of them are extremely in-depth questions that I'm sitting there typing answering but like I sat back afterwards and it was just like holy shit this is it's crazy sometimes to, to like think about the position I'm in now so I got on and just like thanked everybody for listening following engaging. Um and so I wanted to bring that up here to say thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um thank you for sharing this with friends and family and on your Instagram and stuff like that. And um it's a really humbling thing to sit there and think that the content we create is is helping so many people around the world. Um and it's giving us the chance to do what we love for a living. You know, you shared that thing on your story on I think Sunday about being stoked to wake up Monday. And like that same thing, like yeah. not that many people can say that shit, you Agreed. know? So like I sat there and looked at the camera and I was like, thank you because you let us do that because you're engaging and you're supporting. Yeah. Amen. And then the other side of it is like, and this is where like it turns to me, but I, I want to use this as a lesson for people. I said like this happening because of you and because I didn't just stop fucking trying. Like I'm a very, very normal dude, but I just had an idea. I had a passion. And I literally just kept beating my head against the wall until it fucking worked and there's no reason anybody else can do it, you know. So like, the the analogy I use is like when you're tiptoeing to see how cold the water is in the pool, you know. Jump in. Just fucking jump in. You're wasting time that could be ha- spent having fun in yeah. the pool when you know you're gonna jump in. Amen. Like you're at the pool, <laughs> like just fucking go. So at the pool is the same thing as your thought or your goal or your, or the idea just fucking floating around your head, you know. Instead of letting it float around your head, just spit it out into the universe and just start working on it because. There's really nothing that can stop you except you. And that includes physical capabilities. And I say that because, like, if the idea is playing in the NBA, but you're listening to this and you're five foot tall and you're 50 years old, you're not going to the NBA. That's the harsh reality. You know, there's a lot of cool things I would love to do that I'm just not doing because I'm not LeBron James. He's a fucking freak. He's like six, well, we looked it up like six, seven or some shit, and he's not the tallest. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the point is, is, is everything else, there's just no reason, you know? And it reminded me today, too, to, like, stop, and, and I said this in there, too, like, s- gratitude is, is fuel to achieve more, so it's important to stop and smell the roses, which is, like, what I was telling them is, like, thank you so much, because this is my reminder that keeps me going. Because yeah. if you don't stop and smell those roses, you'll stop having roses to smell, and you won't keep accomplishing goals. Facts. So um, thank you for saying that so I could bring this up, but I think everybody listening, man, like, thank you so much for letting like for for engaging, for supporting, for sharing, for being a part of this journey and this mission because it allows us to do this shit, which we fucking love, and we literally sit in office and get to do this and coach people every day. It's kind of fucking crazy, um, but it's just a perfect example. Like we are like sitting on this podcast right now is two very normal guys, like beyond normal. At least one of us. <laughs> I mean, what the <laughs> the, the only the only abnormal thing about me is my stubbornness, <laughs> yeah. and my no, tattoos, <laughs> like. But for sure, you know,
1: absolutely, and uh, you know, a lot of people have a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know. But I tell you right now, don't have imposter syndrome over us. I mean, unless you're into the same thing, they might look up to you or something. Mm-hmm. But don't compare.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, and that's the thing is like, and I even said that in, in the video. The first thing I think I think I said was "fuck self doubt," yeah. like build belief because self doubt just stops you from taking action. Yeah, and the reality is is that's what creates imposter syndrome because the more you sit in your self-doubt, the more that fuels the imposter syndrome. Totally. It, it fuels that I can't and it, and I can't is what imposter syndrome is. Yep. There's no reason why you can't yep. and like, anybody who's not, like the funny thing I always think about is all the people that I look at as like celebrities or famous people who I would definitely get imposter syndrome comparing myself to, if I mentioned them to Shannon, my wife, she'd be like, who the fuck are they? You know, because real famous people I don't give a shit about. Like, yeah. I'm gonna like the one that comes to mind is the Kardashians. But like thinking about reality T V and actors and stuff like that, like that's dope, but that doesn't like I'm not comparing myself to them. So the people I would compare myself to and get imposter syndrome with, they're famous to me. You know, they're not famous to everybody else. Some totally. people don't even know who they are. And in their mind, they're probably an average person too, who just kept fucking trying. They are.
1: Absolutely. Until they made it. Yeah.
0: You know? Shit. Sometimes even the people like like Kevin Hart. Yeah. I mean, he's extremely funny. Yep. But he's just a talent. Yeah. But imagine, like, I, I'm sure we we all probably listen to this. We probably all know somebody who is absolutely hilarious. Who, if if they had the same ambition, tenacity, and stubbornness as Kevin Hart, they could be fucking famous. I agree. absolutely agree. You know what I mean? There's no like that up. But that is, I mean, that's a strong characteristic. It's not that you
1: can't do it; it's that they don't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But all right,
1: cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's move on to the next question we got here, coming from Julie. It says within the last decade. What do you think is the most significant scientific discovery for health and fitness?
0: Damn, um, I don't know, fuck. That's hard. Um, <laughs> nothing. There's there hasn't been anything that, like, honestly, I think what is did she say shocking
1: or just nope. uh, within the last decade? What do you think is the most significant?
0: Oh, the most significant. Oh, that's easy. Scientific uh, discovery. Yeah the the most significant is maybe
1: it, maybe is that same as like what research come out that just is like yeah significant to the industry.
0: Yeah, I think that it's it's not even just one piece of research though. I think it's it's the most significant thing to me is that r- how repeatedly studies have showed calories in versus calories out matters. Like, I mean, the amount of things that have came out in the last decade to say that like it's paleo, it's gluten intolerance, it's AIP, it's keto, it's carnivore, it's veganism, it's, no dairy's bad, dairy's good. Like, there's just so many things. Inflammatory, which nobody even knows what fuck means. It all boils back down to calories and body fat. There you go. It's like, yeah, that leads to poor health, but if you get them to lose fat first, it doesn't. Yeah, like, red meat uh, leads to cancer, but if you control for other health and lifestyle factors, now it doesn't, which means basically... This person isn't just eating red meat and smoking cigarettes. Like they actually control for, okay, they're not a smoker. They're not a, like a heavy drinker. They eat vegetables. Oh, wait, it doesn't cause any signs of cancer. You know what I mean? Like everything just keeps boiling down to that. Yeah. Like it's just very, very simple shit. And I think that the most significant thing has been that because it's eliminating how much fad bullshit and myths are out there. It's like the, those things almost cannot survive anymore. Because there's just so much research proven that it's like, no, intermittent fasting doesn't doesn't really do shit. Just skips breakfast. Yeah. If that's easier for you, great. Control your calories. You know what I mean? Even like the big thing there was autophagy. They were like, nope, it might not lead to more phallus, but it leads to longevity because of autophagy. And it's like, oh, wait, shit. A calorie deficit leads to autophagy. So is the intermittent fasting just causing a deficit and the deficit's causing autophagy? Probably.
1: Maybe, yeah. You know,
0: because when they control for calories, same outcome. (laughs) It's like, it's just really, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's difficult to say that anything new has come out. Um, and even with training, like training the same thing, it's kind of like, uh, it all circles back to like a balance, you know, like all these studies of volume kept going up, up, up. And it's like, man, more and more volumes better. And then they controlled for past volume. So instead of me going to the study and immediately going from zero to 40, it's a 10% increase leads to more gains, which means if I was doing five, What's 10% of that? You know, add that amount on there. If I was doing 10, 10% of that, add that on there. So it's very small increases. And 10% isn't the number. It could be 20. I don't remember what it was. So don't take that with a grain of salt. But, um, or to, don't take that literally. No, oh, do take that with a grain of salt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but point being, it was like tons of volume. Oh, wait, no, like probably somewhere in the middle. You know, there was a new study that came out that it was like uh, 15 versus 10 sets per muscle group per week. And depending on the muscle, it kind of equated out. So if you end up factoring in the fact that some muscles get hit, Um, as a secondary muscle group, like triceps, for example, showed better growth with more volume, but they're also used to getting hit with more volume because every time you bench or press or anything, they're going to be activated a little bit too. So like, I don't know. I think everything kind of comes back down to simplicity, which I think more and more people need to focus on the, uh, the research around willpower, discipline, self-control mindset self-belief things like that because really it's like okay if all this stuff is pretty fucking simple what do we really need to work on we need to work on our ability to execute it over and over and over again which has nothing to do with diet or calories it's everything to do with your mind yeah you know um so yeah i mean that's that's the most significant thing for sure nothing like shocking has come out and that i've been in the loop on um i would say uh i'm more interested in, in waiting to see when they start doing research and discovering like deep sea stuff. I mean, it's like 80% of the world is undiscovered. That's nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> like, scary. Okay, stop studying fucking dairy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's find out what kind of creatures are down there. I mean, dude, there's got to be some fucking monsters down there. Absolutely. That's nuts to yeah, think about. I, I, I totally. And aliens? Yeah. Like, let's find them. Oh, I, I thought, They don't, they don't want to be found. I
1: thought you were saying that there's aliens under the ocean, but.
0: I mean, God what is an alien? God damn it. You yeah. know, I mean, shit, like they're fucking undiscovered creatures. Yeah. I mean, un- an unidentified flying object. What's an unidentified monstrous <laughs> object in the ocean? It's basically <laughs> a fucking alien. So, tomato, tomato. You're not
1: wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. We got one more here coming from Kelsey Cesar. It says, I am an in-person trainer for a few years and now have stepped into the online space. In general, most people are really responsive to form checks and take cues via video feedback really well. But I have a couple clients who seem to really struggle with form on some exercise, even after many different tips, cues, different angles. My question is, do you ever find it necessary to have clients find an in-person trainer for a few sessions so they can get some hands-on
0: assistance? Mm. Um, I don't personally, simply because I don't work with those kind of people anymore. Um, so like, for the most part, people who come to us, they're they're a little bit past that brand new beginner stage, you know? And because of that, we just don't, we don't experience that much. Um, however, I did in the past. Um, I think... It's actually crazy to say I, I figured it would be more, but I think twice in my entire online career, obviously because when I was in person I was doing it for them um, I've done it twice, and it was earlier on when I would have more like very new people come to me and I did recommend them find a trainer one of them I referred to Theo uh, after I left, and then one I recommended to a uh, I looked googled and looked up a gym in um, Colorado because that's where they're at uh, because they just it wasn't even actually I didn't even get to the stage that you're at I literally was just like I, I talked to them on the phone and was immediately like yeah you need to you need to have a trainer in person if I'm being honest because I like explained or just stated an exercise and you didn't know what it was and that's a red flag you know um, it's not a bad thing it's just that you need somebody to stand there with you in person to show you what a lunge is yep. if you don't even know what a lunge is um, but the thing is is that if somebody has so the, the thing is this is like let's say if somebody's been training for two plus years before they see you even if they're still a newbie or they're pretty new or like they can't figure this stuff out like you're saying I still think it's um it's possible for you to just work through it because a lot of times it's just you haven't said the right cue yet so sometimes it's a matter of going over the right cue showing videos of yourself while talking through it so I've done that where somebody's doing an exercise and me verbally telling them what to do next time doesn't fix it. So I have to film myself doing it and explain what they're doing wrong versus what I'm doing right in the moment how I'm fixing what they're doing wrong personally so they can see that video and watch it while they're at the gym. Um, I've never had to get to the point where I'm doing like Skype training sessions or anything like that. Um, I think that really only became a thing once COVID hit. We already were well-established and had systems before COVID, so we didn't need to do those things. Yep, um, But... I also think that sometimes you need to change exercise. So sometimes people will be so married to an exercise and they're like, you can't perform this exercise. So I'm going to sit here because I'm an expert trainer and I'm just going to keep on coaching you until you can figure out how to do it. But if the exercise just isn't right for that person, change it. Change the fucking exercise. Like, unless somebody like cannot do an, a body weight squat, like that's an issue. You got to work on mobility. You got to mm-hmm. fix some things. Everybody should be able to squat. Now, if somebody can't do a close stance squat or a barbell back squat without pain or anything like that. I think it's better to just adjust the exercise completely or or the very, the, the way you're performing it. So with a squat pattern, you could do a close stance, a wide stance, toes pointing out, toes pointing in. You can do not in, but straight. You can do, um, heels elevated, heels, not elevated. Do they stay upright? Do they lean forward? Like figure out what kind of squat they're going to do and then embrace that and coach them through that. Instead of trying to teach them like your feet should be one and a half feet apart. That's the perfect distance for a squat like says who, you know what I mean? Like walk up to the rack and wherever your feet land, that's probably the most natural position for you to squat in, <laughs> you know, like just get comfortable, Yeah. but coach them through it. And then often change the exercise, you know, cause there's a million exercise variations for this reason. Not everybody's built and designed to do the same shit. So you should be changing the shit, uh, scientific term in order to fit their needs and their mechanics and their movement patterns, their limb lengths, all the stuff that we've been talking a lot about as of late. Um, that's, been super helpful for a lot of my clients like the more in-depth i go with that the more they get a ton out of their exercises and they don't have to do as much volume to get the results absolutely so um but yes i have had to do that twice in my entire career just to show you how not common it is and not how like unnecessary it is most of the time totally you know so cool guys
1: well that is the last question for today we have said the announcements anything else
0: um i'm gonna be teasing you again we're gonna get andreas on the podcast soon we officially have all of our um what would that be called stock sure we're fully stocked supply with, yeah supply inventory. there you go yeah inventory that's the word we have a full inventory of tailored life apparel stuff we're not launching it yet um but we're just putting the final details together for the shipping experience because um we want it to be a very very cool thing that you guys open when you Uh, open up that mailbox so we're going to get him on the podcast soon that will be launching we're going to announce the website the date all that stuff very very soon as you're listening to this probably this week to be honest with you so stay on the loop for that Uh, very very excited Um, more and more things to come so thank you guys for listening as always we appreciate you and we'll catch you next time